Hi, everybody. This is Nancy Miller from My Creative Life, the podcast about creatives, how and why they make the art that they do. Today, I'm very excited. I have Lou Pan with me today, who is a fellow graduate student at the Savannah College of Art and Design. Hi, Lou. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm good. Thank you for having me. Well, Lou, I'm so glad that you were willing to take the time and speak with me. Um, I enjoyed having the fibers class that we met in. So for the people who are listening, uh, Lou is actually not an illustration major because I usually interview a lot of illustration majors, um, but you are not. And maybe you could share with the audience a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, um, I'm actually... uh... I'm trained, uh, my background actually is in interior design. Uh, so I studied like in Ireland, uh, in Dublin as an interior designer. And after graduate uh, from uh, Dublin Institute of Design in Dublin, and I work as interior designer for a couple of years. Uh, so I always find like a creativity needs uh, constant learning. So. I kind of dig into other fields of design. I just find new interests. And then I apply for school in Finland as a, a study product design. So that's where I was heading at the time. Uh, I studied like halfway and then I transferred to Savannah College Art Design back in 2015. So I continue my product design. So instead it's called uh, industrial design, I believe. And then that's where my passion kind of shift from uh, interior design to product design. And so I design a lot of furnitures, a lot of products, and I find it fascinating uh, to actually came out of idea and uh, find a way to make it happen and make something like Tokui doesn't exist and come to life. I think that's kind of exciting. Um, now I'm uh, during my like uh, undergrad study of industrial design. Uh, I find my passion also in smaller like a product design, like uh, softer goods, like handbag and shoes. And that's where I had a thought if I want to do a master degree in SCAD and I want to go back to do uh, accessory design as my master degree. So my interest is still in the same field of design, but slowly, slowly like a shift from one side to the other. But I think constantly it's just uh, whatever is drive me and uh, whatever is bring the best of my creativities and I just go for it. Awesome, because I didn't even know until that fibers class that, that there was a major for accessories design. I was like, I have a another major that's for I, I was just fascinated and I thought it was so cool how because of your background like I loved your thought process I loved how because of your inspirations are so from an industrial and from interiors and all of that it was just really interesting I was like oh that's really cool I didn't know about that <laughs> well, I love that yeah I think like um in terms of design, I find like everything's connected. It's definitely beneficial if you uh, have a different background for what you do now, it gives you a new perspective. It definitely helps you to do something slightly different from other people's do. Yeah. And now you kind of went into why you chose accessory design, but why did you decide to get your 
a master's degree at SCAD um, specifically. Um, and because it's it's a big, you know, it's an investment for those who are listening in yeah. their education and mm-hmm. and the further, you know, time away from a regular job. So uh, why graduate mm-hmm. school and uh, why SCAD? Yeah, I think SCAD, uh, I think why I apply for undergrad, and sometimes I just like uh, why I was um, looking at different schools. I think it, there's perfect thing for anybody. Like everybody, there's the perfect school for them, and not like which school is better than the other. And why I was looking at the SCAD website in terms of navigation, I think sometimes it kind of speak to me of how SCAD creative people think. And I kind of like uh, follow the way to find the information I'm looking for. And uh, sometimes kind of, for me, it's kind of sound, sounds a little bit silly, but uh, I find like it feels right. Mm-hmm. And that's where I choose SCAD. And also I think SCAD is the first college uh, contact me uh, without the college kind of apply for. Mm-hmm. And I, sometimes I just feel like I'm their first pick and I will pick them first as well. I think it's just a kind of mutual trust. Same time, it's kind of uh, feel like serendipity. <laughs> I guess that's the word. I think I just feel like I belong there. And I, after I got into SCAD and I just feel right in home, right at home. And all the people like around me, I feel like they have kind of similar kind of experience or they have very similar way of doing things. And I find that kind of feel really comfort uh, for me. And in terms of accessory design, um, I was working with a lot of heavy machinery during industrial design. Um, I love the product to produce after that. And I think it just really opened a lot of opportunities. But at the same time, I kind of enjoy more like kind of quieter environments, like using sewing machine. Uh, I think that's where kind of tricked me of uh, the interest of accessory design is from one of the sewing class I took during my undergrad. Um, yeah, I feel like when I was doing a sewing for the leather to make a bag is so relaxing. <laughs> it's, and I didn't feel like kind of stressed for getting homework done. I feel like a more kind of enjoyment when you're doing it. Uh, even though like we we all know everybody have very heavy load in terms of homework in SCAD, uh, you always have so much homework, but I never during that class, I feel pressured. I always feel like, oh, I would like to do more. And then that kind of feeling, I think during that time, so maybe I belong to accessory design because I don't feel stressed, <laughs> so, and I always constantly feel like um, I want to do a little bit extra, uh, more than actually the professor asked for. And I think that's always a good sign for picking what you want to do. Is that is something like you want to do something more than people ask for? I think that's always a good sign. It means you're happy. So, <laughs> so that's why I end up in. Uh, very small department of accessory design, but uh, I find a lot of uh, very talented and also creative professionals there, and I'm so glad to meet them. Awesome. 
because I wasn't aware of accessories design as a major, could you maybe explain a little bit more for the listeners? Because then I realized maybe they might not be as aware of what what that is. Like, what what are you, I guess, focusing on with? Because I I think with mm-hmm. accessories, like some people might think it's like just bags, but I assume it's a lot more than that. Um, mm-hmm. The applications for it. Could you? explain that to me <laughs> because I'm not as yeah. kind of ignorant of, of everything no no not at all like I actually I took the sewing class from actually a sexual design department um I think a couple years back because the department is very small it was actually only offered as a minor um I think because there'd be more and more still interesting in this uh, field uh, I think departments start to grow and then they train into uh, accessory design, like mm-hmm. a program themselves. So the accessory design department, mainly there's a two part you're going to learn in SCAD. Mm-hmm. One is handbags and the other one is footwear. Mm-hmm. So what you're going to learn during the class of accessory design is from how you make a shoes from the beginning, how you pick your leather, how you cut your leather, how you sew your leather and how you put leather uh, on top of, they call the shoe last. It's like a form for your foot. It's like artificial shape of your foot. It's gonna look like a green shape, animated plastic. This is how shoes were made. What happened is you cut all the piece of leather and you assemble them together around this shape and then you sew them together, you take the green last shoe last out, and that's where your shoes become what shoes you see in the market. So that's a whole process of it. Uh, it sounds pretty brief, but I take actually a lot of different class to learn every skills you need to make a shoes look more finished products rather than just assembled a simple part. <laughs> so. Um, during this class, you're going to go into more details, how you send your letter, how you cut it to make it look more professional, and how you skive it, which means uh, how you make the letter thinner uh, through your, by your hands, either by your hand or your by a machine, and how you pick the things to put them together, include of how you glue them, how you sew them, and how you pick a thread which working with a sewing machine and also what kind of sewing machine work with what kind of product. So it feels every class is kind of connected. So you learn about sewing and connect to footwear as well as uh, handbag design. So you in SCAD, you're not just learning about how you pick the fabric, how you put everything together as well as you learn, of course, the computer program you're going to need to make like, um, if you want to manufacture a large amount, you're going to send, you're going to design like a shape. You're not going to cut yourself of uh, the leather by yourself. And most of the time, if you work in the real company, what you do, actually you draw most of the patterns uh, on computer and you actually sign the file abroad and yeah, another company, they're going to look through it and they're going to have the material they cut for you 
and they make a sample and send to you. So you have to learn the both. You have to learn how to make uh, in SCAD, how to make by hand, uh, as well as how uh, you're going to do more successfully, like after you graduate, more likely you don't have the machine yourself. Um, and then you how you can make it manufactured. Uh, so that's the two parts you're going to learn. And also majority of things you're going to learn is about different type of bags you're going to make and different type of shoes you're going to make. Uh, that's mainly the apartment department, like uh, what we do in accessory design scan at the moment. I'm sure in the future, they're going to involve more uh, as more professors going to be gets bring into SCAD and uh, there's more part maybe I'm kind of looking forward to uh, open more new field in terms of accessory like you know how people wear maybe a hat uh, department or anything like that it's going to be fun right so it's not that many college they offer this kind of program but uh, if there's a demand I'm sure in the future you will see there's more program going to come up in SCAD as well. There is such a shoe culture with at least the teenagers, <laughs> the teenagers that I've, I've taught, like shoes as an accessory, as a part of the person's identity, like, and what people, young people will invest in a pair of shoes. Like, like I think about what you're telling me, like they would be fascinated by that. Like the young, um, because the young guys, it's kind of like interesting. Like I didn't realize like, how much they would spend on a pair of sneakers and like how they look at shoes in terms of I don't know it's just interesting it was like you you talk to them and you're like they would love that class to learn how to make it from hand yeah. and then make their own pair of shoes they would really love yeah. that I mean yeah hopefully yeah I think like in terms of like a shoes they have a different field when we think about shoes we saw just shoes we wear but when you go in a little bit deeper, there's so many branches you can go into. Uh, a lot of people are into sport. So you will see a lot of sneaker designers. And if you're into uh, fashion, you can design for shoes, for uh, catwalks, uh, like uh, for red carpet. Uh, like there's uh, like one-off shoes you're going to design. So only like a showing off. Also, you can be uh, like an artist going to a field, like uh, design shoes for sculpture. It's not wearable, but it looks cool. So there are all different kinds of things you can do. It's really is what kind of people are interested in. Uh, in terms of like shoe design, is there's a lot of creativities to experiment. I think that's the the way for a lot of young people. It definitely like a, there um, there are like a market. Uh, also, there are people like to collect things. You know, people like to collect stamps. Uh, there are a lot of people to collect shoes. I'm sure. <laughs> so, yes. and even the yeah. teenagers, because they'll they would. It was interesting. One day, I noticed they were they brought in a box of these Nikes, and they like. I was like, okay, and then they switch them. I was like, oh, what are you doing? And they were like, oh, well, these are really special shoes and i'm switching like i'm we're exchanging but they were just limited time it's like borrowing but they they wanted mm -hmm. to change up the look of their footwear so they would swap with each other of equal value it was just kind of interesting like little it was just interesting i was like oh you're renting 
each other's shoes and it's <laughs> and it was funny like because they would they were so into what they were wearing and their footwear like uh there would be a fire drill and they'd be like oh no i can't go on the grass because i'm wearing my good sneakers they were like these are <laughs> they're like these are 400 sneakers i'm not going on that grass i was like it was so yeah. funny. There's a fire drill. I mean, what if it was a real fire? Well, we'll wait when we get to that point, then we'll see if we get our sneakers messed up. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I totally ahead. get it. I totally get it. Yeah. I think like when you love something so much, you try to protect them like your baby. Um yeah, I noticed like a like I think when I was in high school, uh-huh. um, I think while wow, my classmate he loved his new shoes so much, sneaker so much, and he have an eraser, just a dedicated to clean his own shoe soles. So, <laughs> so he clean it every single day, make sure it's perfectly clean. So just uh, how he treat his like a little baby shoe like his own baby. Yeah, I totally get it. And it's fascinating because then it makes a really good fit for you because of your industrial design background, like the manufacturing of it, and then how that is mass produced on a large scale. Have, have you found that because of your experience in in working, because of your background in industrial design and interior, does that help inform like how you think of your projects for accessories? I think it does give me new perspectives because the yeah, I think a lot of footwear designers, if their background like from footwear design, they are very focused on how can I make these shoes look better. Uh, as my background is different from interior design, I look at shoes as a different functions. So I look at at the furniture sometimes. I look at like a shoes to look like a building and then turning building into a shoe. Um, I think I my background definitely beneficial for me to open a new like a new field in terms of shoe design. Um, because I don't think as a shoe designer, I think of as an interior designer to design shoe or industrial designer as a design shoes. Um, it definitely like uh, help me like I think it's more interesting for me to do something different than uh, than just constantly doing the same field yeah it definitely helped that's fascinating because you're Mm -hmm. the you're like the first accessories design major I've met and it's just like it was fascinating just hearing you know when you guys talk about uh, how you're looking at your approach and then like even like the depth of research you were doing on some of the patterns be like, well, you could do this process to get this result. And like, it it was just really interesting because as an illustration person, we just kind of hand it off and then it just, it's it's your problem. But it was fascinating because you were really interested in that. And I thought, oh, I didn't know you could do those kinds of things. Yeah, I think like I always interested in materials. I think maybe that's some field I'm going to look into in the future as well. Um, I like to experiment with a different kind of materials. How can you make a product with different type of materials? And then it's just something like not, if you do something like like not normally thinking, uh, like unusual material on shoes, I think that could be so much fun. And also, um, 
I think it opened new door for other designers as well because they can see, oh, maybe I can do this hill in different type of material, like a metal or anything like that, plastic. Um, I think kind of beneficial for not just myself, also like my peers. Uh, I think that's a great thing about uh, working and study in the university. Like you have your peers to learning from, also exchange from. I think that's a really big beneficial part of a school. That's true. I learned so much in the fibers class that we met in. And so I was kind of curious to know what, why did you want to take that? Because it's, uh, I assume that's an elective for you. It was an elective for me mm-hmm. and why you chose to choose that. Because since it's outside of your major and just curious, why surface design? Yeah, I think like uh, there's the two sides of it. One side is uh, I notice a lot of my peers they have uh, they have taken this class and their work is amazing. So uh, and also like in terms of surface design, uh, I think through all my works I like very simple designs, uh, simple shapes, simple lines. Uh, most of my work, we don't see much like a pattern uh, along all the surfaces. Uh, I think that's one of my, I think there's a, a lot of opportunities for me to, uh, to give it a try and open a new door. Because I was wondering like, if I design something with a pattern rather than just a plain surface, is that going to open a new door for me? Um, and also I see like there's a lot of demand in the market as well. Um, but at the same time, I think the number one thing is a curiosity to me because I don't know how to do it. That's where my most interested field I'm going to want to dig into is something I don't know. I always go just straight into it as I want to learn. Um, surface design, I think it's just that compared to other different fields like interior design, uh, industrial design, accessory design. Uh, I think what drives me to pick a class or a major, uh, it's, it's all start with curiosity. It's not something like I saw, I'm going to do surface design. No, <laughs> I just said like, oh, I don't know how to do it. And it looks cool. And then I want to learn how to do it. And then that's where lead me to where I am now and lead me to what kind of class I'm going to pick. Um, I think that's kind of very uh, important to me. Uh, I'm sure for a lot of creative people as well is uh, you have to keep your interest going in terms of to, uh, to be creative. So you have to like make sure your interest always up there very high level so you make sure you're interested first, then you do it, and then you will do it well. I think that's how I process it most of the time what I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I Well, I agree with you because it's like sometimes as a teacher, uh, an art teacher background, I feel like um, I wish uh, they, because we have all these standards and we're like teaching towards these standards in K through 12. And I, I feel like there mm. should be a standard for fun. <laughs> like there should be a standard like oh. 
hopefully. Are you having fun? Will will the student enjoy and have fun and learn? You know, like it's assumed they'll learn something at the end of the day, but I feel like it's almost like it's not appropriate nowadays because they're so education academic focused and then we kind of mm -hmm. leave that off the table. And I go like, I feel like fun is very much tied to being intrinsically motivated to learn more. I don't know, do you find that? Yeah, I think fun is, I would call it like a cherry on top of a cake. <laughs> so I think fun is what make you stand out. Uh, as an artist. Um, so as like uh, when we go through all college and everybody taking the same class, if you just uh, do a homework and get a good point to get an A, A plus, uh, the end of the day you have it's a paper. But if you're having fun uh, after years later, you keep doing what you think is fun could end up your future career. Uh, and also you could stand out with the crowd because you have so much fun, you don't want to give up what you do. And that's where actually probably leads to a lot of breakthrough is, it's not just for artists as well as like a scientist. When we look into a mathematician or biologist, they are having fun for doing what they do. That's why, how they actually, you know, achieve more than average and how they stand out how they get a Nobel Prize, you know, <laughs> just seeing, I think we missed a lot in education is people think score is the best thing they're going to get, but they didn't realize what's actually most important thing is we missing that kind of curiosity as a children, as a child, uh, is we had fun. And what fun lead to is, uh, is just uh, an open field of opportunities. It's like open a field of unknown. It's just, I think the potential of that is way more beneficial than what kind of score we're going to get. Yeah, yeah. I, that's why I was drawn to talking to you, Lou, because it was just really fascinating because you traveled so far in all these different uh, places and you kind of noticed how different educational systems are. and. Um, yeah. Some of the things that you mentioned to me, I was like, oh, yeah, I totally um, uh, just understand that perspective. And mm -hmm. when I had taught very young students K through five mm -hmm. here in the United States, um, one of the things that I greatly enjoyed was their willingness to try something new and their curiosity. Mm -hmm. And they didn't care if they failed. It wasn't the end product you know it was just kind of the experience it's like the just the joy of doing something process wise and mm -hmm. I don't know what it is but I feel like sometimes as we get older we lose that I don't know mm -hmm. and find it harder to maintain that curiosity and a sense of awe yeah I, I think one thing is like when we grow up maybe getting a little bit when people grow up a little bit older and older and we are more afraid of failure like as we grow up and we think like failure is so much have so much weight in terms of what we do so what happens is that more failure we are afraid of and it kind of limit us 
to not doing a lot of things, not trying a lot of things. Uh, and then as a like artist or creative people, I think that's one thing we need at least is not trying to fail. And I thought like maybe dictionary should have a better word than failure in terms of in art. Maybe we come up a new word, not failure, maybe something like, oh, it's like almost there. <laughs> so, <laughs> something like that. And it's, I think it's just as important as success. Success is really just a word. I think when you achieve a certain point, um, but the most of fun is when you actually almost there. So <laughs> I think the process of it is where you have the most of fun and you enjoy the most. Um, I'm sure a lot of actually artists, when they achieve their getting on their award and achieve the highest point of their career, become successful, and then they feel disappointed because they think this is end and they they kind of crave uh, kind of more things they can try and more failure uh, we kind of describe. But the failure could be like the best part of what we do. And it is the best part of what we do. And it's just how we perceive uh, this failure. It re really is about perceptions. I think it's, uh, if it's having fun, this the failure, <laughs> It's more like a, a positive word. We can see uh, maybe failure is just something we can have fun and laugh about and rather than feel sad about. So if we, every time we fail, we laugh and we kind of bring this kind of joy energy to ourselves and then gradually, I think we're going to enjoy more failures rather than afraid of failure because we feel happy every time we fail. So <laughs> I think like the kids uh, when we're teaching them, maybe like when they fail or something like, maybe we should reward them for not uh, succeed, but have the courage to try, right? I think that's the most important part. Like if we discourage them to, to, to fail and then they will never try something new. That's where all the creativity is kind of stuff. Uh, so we had to like have kind of cushion on the bottom to make sure they feel safe when they fail. We say, it's okay, I got you. I got your back and go for it. Fail as many times as you want it, but we always here to get your back. And I'm not here to judge you. Mm -hmm. And I encourage you to fail. But I will catch you every time. Yeah. yeah. I, I and I felt that vibe from you in class because you're very um, supportive and so kind and you had really good feedback about stuff. So um, and just your philosophy about learning, I think it's really yeah, I really I, I think it's something for me like I had to get to I think it's because I taught for so long. Like, I don't know that I would have that same um, thought about failure if I hadn't taught for 11 years because then it was seeing students when they struggle or like or the enjoyment that they got through the process and realizing oh it's really about this process that and what you learn from it and then the failures I found that it was so much sweeter when they 
were successful because they'd had all the other things and they realized like, oh, this was really worth it because, you know, I think uh, the success they got out of it. Yeah. And even if it was something simple, like just making something out of clay or learning how to weave something or just doing something on the computer or digital art, you know, it was that feeling of accomplishment they got from the trial and the error. Yeah, I totally agree. I think we should have like a class just to dedicate like a math, like a math, mathematics, biology, and another class called not to succeed, <laughs> something like that. Or just like uh, try to fail as hard as you can or something like that. Like uh, just want people to have fun and the things like you will always surprised uh, how much creativity you're going get out of that class compared to the rest of them. So if you not buy the book, you're going to create your own book. So yeah, I think that's the best part of all the children. So much creativity going on in their heart rather than adults, I think. You know, you've traveled to so many different locations. I was fascinated just listening to you talk about your travels, yeah. <laughs> but do you have a favorite place that you were just like, the place, the, the location, it made it just really special for you to learn or to, you know, the culture? I think um, in terms of study, I think my favorite place is Finland. Um, I think like when I was looking at some time, I look at news, they talk about um, like a Nordic country, they are very proud of their education. And a lot of people like they were thinking the first thing they, so how much money they put in their education and you know, how much they invested in their school, in their student. And, and then because while I was studying there, I realized it's not the, the whole thing, it's never about the money like how you approach your student, how you educate them is, uh, is like how much freedom uh, you give to them. Um, I think in Finland, uh, it's in terms of class when I was a study there, I realized uh, things are much simpler than most of the country I've been to. Um, like for, just for example, for kindergartens, I noted like most of uh, very developed country, richer countries in the world, uh, where you go to kindergarten, you see all of the fancy playgrounds with all the, the floor is soft and you have all those different colors of things you can play or running around and swings. Um, you know, when I was in Finland, uh, I passed by a kindergarten is so often, almost every day, uh, went to school. And I saw their kids, I hear their laugh. I was always wondering, like, so how are they so happy? Like, they, uh, it doesn't seem like the whole playground, they have anything. Only thing I noticed, there is a, like a little, um, a little bump, like a, a little hill made of sand and dirt. Mm. Uh, and also on the side, there is a like random tire from the car. They just dispose there. And all the kids running around the garden, they kind of start to inventing their own games. It's like how you can invent a game for yourself to play and happy 
this was what, what you have with the dirt and the random tires <laughs> for a car. And all the kids is just laugh so much and they have so much fun around it. And they create their own games, how you create a game to run the tires or jump in the tires, how you do uh, something different with just the dirt on the ground. I think this kind of simplicity of lifestyle in Finland uh, really make people more creative. Uh, so make people think differently. Um, when I was living there, also I noticed like the, uh, um, they, they have a drying rack uh, for drying plates. So we know that like a drying rack nowadays, we put on the side of the sink often, right? For most of the people here. Uh, another place. Uh, so what you have is a cabinet with an open bottom and drying rack is inside. So the air actually can go in through the cabinet to dry them. And the drying rack is over the sink uh, and the water going to straight drip into the sink if there's extra water. So they never really use uh, as often, like they use a dryer you know, I heat up the whole plate to make it dry, they use an air dry. Uh, so something like simple like that is like, they never have everything. So that's where they actually start to invent new way to do things more efficiently and uh, with a multifunctional as well. I think that's quite important uh, for a lesson for me to learn is the less you have, the more creative you will be. And that's where I learned why I was in Finland is people never looking for more things to, or looking for to earn or buy more things there. People leave what they have and then they make the best of it. I think that's a very great lesson for me to learn as a creative person is you don't need everything you need to create anything creative. Um, and also the things like the less you have, it means the more creativity effort you're going to put in and which end up with a better result toward the end because you put more effort rather than you invest so much a big part of your effort into equipment. So that's where I find uh, kind of uh, my most of my ins inspired place I studied, I think in Finland, even though I only studied there for like a year, but I think I learned so much within a year um, than any other places. Yeah. Wow. So how do you time manage your studies and then just life and things that you have going on? Um, how do you time manage? Because um, I know you were also doing some um, photography for the paper, and then you had um, other things that you were doing, and then your schoolwork. So how do you time manage all of that? Any tips? Oh, the tips on time management. I think like I'm not very good at time managing, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, but I think well, in terms of time management, uh, it's really worked whatever works best for individuals. Because some people like works better to divide a task into 10 parts and doing those 10 parts 
like every single day toward the end. And some creative people would like to put autumn part to the last week uh, of close to the final day. Uh, I think spend maybe like a span that's kind of 10 weeks time to think about it before you start to implement it. So it really depends how people work in their mind. I think sometimes it's hard to give uh, one way to do things, especially like for creative people, is what's actually you feel more comfortable uh, to manage your own time. And also I think it's a great if you have a physical calendar rather than a digital one. I think that's really helped me a lot because uh, digital ones sometimes you know, run out of battery, your phone kind of run out of battery or you silence your phone, you kind of forget. You think they're going to remind you, they're probably not. But if you're going back to a physical form of writing down your schedule on a cheap calendar, like just physically, uh, you can see a plan for a month, a plan for a year that definitely will help you to manage your time way better than look at your watch or look at your uh, digital phones. Um, because you are constantly opening it, checking it. I do feel much easier to see, to look through, glance all my plans in the months. Uh, if you open a physical calendar, then open that one in your phone. Because phone, sometimes they only show you a week what's going on in a week. But if you have a physical calendar, you write everything down there and you constantly checking it and you can see much bigger picture. I think that's how I manage my time is, I have an idea of what's going on. And if I want to know a little bit detail, I look in through my phone, but I have a calendar on both sides of physical form as well as digital form. Uh, I think that's help you quite, a, help me quite a lot is you need both. Yeah, of course, sometimes I miss appointments. <laughs> so I think that's kind of uh, unavoidable. Uh, is like, you know, there's always time you kind of miss it. Uh, but in general, if you want to have a better time management, find a better, find a way to work for you the best. Uh, which you're going to look at your phone more often or you can look your physical calendar out more often, choose whatever you feel more comfortable with and try not to follow other people's schedule because they work for other people, never, probably not going to work for you. And don't feel pressured if you have a different kind of workflow than other people because that's how different people works. And then you have to like tell yourself sometimes that, it's okay, you work slow, but you get there. Um, I think that's the thing is you make sure you don't put too much pressure on yourself because everybody works differently and you can never be the same person as other people because you are you. And at the same time, other people will never become you. So, <laughs> so you see that way is like what you feel more comfortable to manage your time. And that's the right way to do it. So there's never a, a right one way to do it. <laughs> oh, I thought there's the same for it. It's like, uh, you know, there's a wrong wasn't built in a day or something like that. 
there is a different saying like in Chinese we say like there's a multiple way, multiple road to go to Rome. So so don't try to plan the schedule like uh, same as other people. Plan the schedule work for you, make you feel more comfortable and uh, whatever the way you feel like more uh, productive also bring out the best of creativity and that's the right one even though you want to push everything to the last week that's okay as long as you know uh, i think if you do this so often you realize uh, you're actually very good at time management towards the end <laughs> for the final week because you know exactly how much time you to do for each task uh, the only tips I want to like uh, from learn from my past is always give yourself slightly bit extra time to see in case it didn't work out. Always have a backup plan. So give you extra time for a backup plan is uh, I think more important than how you actually plan the whole manage your time management. Just make sure you get things done. So time management keep it flexible yeah and focus on your task rather than focus on your schedule uh, i think that helped me to get things done and get things done on time so what are your goals after you finish with your master's degree um yeah good question so i i love learning so my goal rather than getting a job, uh, I would, no matter what I do, my goal is keep learning. Uh, I think that's always been my goal uh, is don't stop. Uh, as a creative people, I think once you stop, you kind of lose interest and you would love, you would like really feel really hard to love what you do. So keep learning is really the only goal I have is don't stop learning and also try new things and uh, talk to people and learn from other people and get connections you know is uh, communication i think is really important uh, i think my goal is keep connected with other people at the same time is, uh, keep learning and improve yourself um, i think especially like knowledge nowadays is refreshing so fast all the new ideas and new concept and new technologies once you stop you kind of fall behind um, so keep learning no matter what you do uh, i think that's supposed to be my biggest goal i have is don't be lazy keep learning <laughs> so <laughs> that's my goal <laughs> so that's very yeah. good advice, Alu. Yeah. And like, even when you don't feel like it, because there are days <laughs> when you don't feel like, oh, I really should get back to my desk and work. But you know, so, yeah, I I think learning, yeah. having that joy to keep learning. And I think that's what's kind of really fueled me for graduate school and all the things you've mm -hmm. offered as advice. You should have your own podcast, Lou. Have you thought of that? <laughs> I think you have some really great advice. Like I really enjoyed like you have one of those voices. It was really interesting because I'd listened to you talk in about your work in class. I was like, that's really fascinating. Oh, that's really interesting. 
just just a thought there you should have your own podcast Uh, Uh, whatever it is about it doesn't have to be about art or whatever but i just found it really fascinating how you think about things Um, we should do like a podcast do or someday (laughs) (laughs) well you are always i would love to have you come back you know i always love having repeat visitors because you know the interesting thing because you kind of touched about um you know I think depending on where you are in your art journey it just kind of changes and I think it's very natural like what you what you were interested in in your 20s 30s 40s 50s it's all going to change and so every time Mm -hmm. I have a guest who comes back and it might be like it's been interesting it might be like two or three years the coolest thing is the things that they told me or mentioned like sometimes that has gone into fruition or sometimes mm-hmm. it's what they're interested in has changed and I mm-hmm. and we all evolve and I think that is completely yes. normal like mm-hmm. like you said if you're just kind of not nothing's happening then you're just kind of stagnating and nothing is changing so yeah so I think it's quite important for like creative people um maybe that's why I I didn't choose a business study, nothing <laughs> against the business study, yeah. but uh, I think it's if you're doing like a business or you're doing accounting, I think it's consistency is very important. If you're doing science, uh, consistency is very important. If you're do, doing like creative field, uh, consistency is the killer of creativity. So <laughs> we need something random, unpredicted uh, to keep us kind of uh, interested for the things we do. So it definitely like uh, for me, I think I pick a good field because uh, I think one thing I feel like I have very short memories, which is kind of beneficial in a way to me. Uh, So I can hear, like I can listen to podcasts twice uh, in a week, same podcast in a week. And I saw like a, Oh, I learned the different things. I kind of don't remember I listened the last time. And I can laugh the same joke twice. Like in a very short period of time, I feel like this is a gift. Uh, I think it's great for creative people have a, you know, sometime I have like a short memories and kind of beneficial me in a way because I can start over a new perspective from time to time. So <laughs> I think no matter what, you know, everybody do, uh, make sure it works uh, your best advantage of who you have and what you have. Uh, I think it's just the way to kind of success or the way to progress your career. Yeah, it's definitely like that for me. <laughs> so. well, thank you, Lou, for sharing all of that. And where can the audience see your work? Yeah, I think I quite active on Instagram. Uh, I think it's a kind of a new text message uh, in like 21st century is Instagram, right? We kind of forget we can text people through their phone, but we always text people through Instagram. Um, I think my Instagram is like um, panlu.crave, so P-A-N-L-U dot C-R-E-A-T-E. So that's where uh, my Instagram account is. Uh, from time to time, I think I like to share things, how I make things. Uh, I love like other creative people give feedbacks and exchange ideas. Also, I love to teach other people like how I do it. And in that way, they could find a new way to do it. I would learn from them as well. 
I think that's how this art community grow and how we all grow and how keep everybody's grow. I think that's uh, very important in terms of what we do as a creative people. Nice. Well, I'll put the information in the description box of the podcast, but thank you, Lou, for being on here. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Please like and subscribe and uh, have a great day. Thanks. Bye. Thank you.